can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. You've been following my journey on Instagram the last few days, Joe, with all the sex scenes in movies. Yeah. So I'm basically I responded like, to your story and I said, are you okay? I know. <laughs> she, said, yeah, she said, are you okay? So because we can't date and I have basically been watching every sexy movie possible. And last night I realized that I'd basically run out of sexy movies to watch. Mm-hmm. So I ended up asking like my followers to, to help me. And I'd literally seen every single movie they suggested, oh. except one that kept coming up. So I've just watched Endings, Beginnings. I've just watched that. So good. Like, please watch it if you want to watch like two hot people. Like, mm-hmm. like the sexual tension, <laughs> the sexual tension builds up. I feel like so you basically much. ask people for like porn recommendations. Basically, well, it's not porn because they're not actually having sex. <laughs> so basically, they like build it like their sexual tension like builds up, and then it's just it's so hot. Okay. And Sebastian Stan is such a hottie. So there's that one. And then literally, okay, this is what I want to talk about today is Outlander. So someone. Oh, I have heard about Outlander. Yeah. I watched six episodes of Outlander and I literally was like, okay, I don't know what the hell people are talking about. So I gave up. Mm-hmm. And so I posted last night when someone said Outlander the whole se- first season, I was like, I wrote a Instagram and I was like, I've watched six episodes. Like, does it get sexier? <laughs> like they haven't even had sex yet. And I got the biggest influx of messages saying like it's episode seven oh like that's when it gets sexy so someone said the in capitals with like a thousand exclamation <laughs> points the wait is so fucking worth it <laughs> and then oh my god stick with it it's worth it it only gets better and better it gets super sexy push on like i just okay. got like i reckon i got 20 messages from people and so i did last night i i watched episode seven. And did it come through with the goods? It did. So I will keep watching. I've got to say, and this is going to be super controversial. Mm. <laughs> um, He's not like, uh, he's not really like my type, I think. He's like very. Okay. Yeah. You do like a bit of a dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is he, does he not have a beard or long hair? He has long hair. Okay. Yeah. So uh, look, I'll keep going. Um, I usually know your type, Hannah, and I can pick it from a mile away. Do. So what's his name? I'm just going to look it up now. <laughs> Outlander. Look up Guy from Outlander. Guy. Okay. I'm just looking that up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he's not your type at all. No. Yeah. No, he's he's probably going towards my type more than yours. Yeah. To give you a bit of like, like I think like if you if you think of Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, that like that's my type. But Bradley yep. Cooper in The Hangover is not my type. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like that's a really good representation. That is a good, yeah, actually, that's a really good <laughs> reference. But actually, my 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 type in general is Colin Farrell. That, okay. Like, if Colin Farrell listens to this podcast, I bet he does. Boy. You know what? I reckon he would for sure. If anyone knows Colin Farrell listens to this podcast, my <laughs> dream in my whole life: ask Linda. Like, okay, literally, <laughs> I will. I reckon I was eight years old when I fell in love. Like, I was so young when I fell in love with him, and mm. I've never fallen out of love with him. He's mm-hmm. always 
And I just feel he was really wild back then and he's, like, really grown up. Sounds like you guys are together. (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, a reformed bad boy, which is Mm -hmm. so my vibe. Okay. So my vibe. Yeah, love that for you. (laughs) (laughs) I also had another update, by the way, on a past episode. So you know how we did the episode on cold sores? Yeah. And we asked people to send in, like, their – when was the worst time you've ever had a cold sore? And we actually had yes. so many people reply with some pretty intense stories about cold sores. So um, one girl, and I really love this one, she said, I had my first kiss at the movies, came out into the light and noticed his lips were covered in them. Oh, He had the cold sores. Another <sighs> one said that as a child she would get a cold sore every year for school photos and then another girl oh. said, and I thought this was right up your alley, she said, right now and I have a date tomorrow with that like oh, palm yep. in the face yep. emoji. Um, so there was heaps of people that replied, but I mean, there was like pages and pages of it. So someone also said two days before my wedding, lucky my makeup artist did an amazing job hiding it. So yeah, lots of you in the same boat with cold sores. I haven't had cold sores, but I have been dealing with toe fungus, which is what's on. Exactly. Oh, good segue, Hannah. So let's get into it. <laughs> What is on today's episode before we get on to the toenail fungus? We have uh, clinical educator Brooke Child on to talk about vitamin C, which has been highly requested. And of course, our products we didn't know we needed. And there's a little um, surprise guest in the end there. I'm just trying to find the toe. Oh, yeah, I've got the, I've got the toenail fungus. Oh, my God, it's on sale. <laughs> oh. Can you include that, Matthew? <laughs> Oh my god! You should pick some more up. I don't think you realize how expensive antifungal nail nail polish is. All right, I do because I've bought it. I want to say I'm not a doctor, but I've done some extensive research on toenail fungus. I also went to the doctor and I also got rid of it. So I think I am somewhat qualified, not in a medical sense, but I am qualified in like a I've had this and I've helped fix it sense. Do you know what toe fungus is? Do you want to tell the people? Because nope. you probably know better no. than I do. Okay. <laughs> I was relying on you All to right. do this <laughs> Okay. So, so a fungal nail infection is caused by different types of fungi. Oh, you know how much mm. I love fungi, mushrooms especially. Yep. <laughs> fungi, yeast such as can, candida and molds. Okay. Basically, the reason that your toes are so susceptible to fungus is because it's like this hotbed for like mold because it's like it's it's sweaty, you're wearing shoes, you might not dry your feet properly. And I think, look, I, I've been doing quite a bit of research. They don't, I don't think there's enough medical kind of research on shellac to kind of be definitive about whether that is a contributing factor. Uh. But what shellac does is it, um, stops the nail bed from breathing. Okay. It also causes the nail to become more brittle and weak and thinner. So basically I found this article on CBS News and basically a dermatologist said, in general, any manicure left in place for an extended period of time is not a good idea because you are not seeing what is going underneath the nail polish. So basically that can be related to you know things like melanoma, but also, which I think I think that's really true. You you don't want to leave shellac on your nails for so long that you don't actually know what's going on under the nail. Yeah. Well, remember Chelsea from Trophy Wife as well said, remember when we did that episode on SNS and shellac, like at the start of isolation as well, and she mentioned yeah. that if you do leave it on for too long, moisture and stuff can get underneath and then start to damage the nail. Yes. So it's probably like the same kind of, because I leave my shellac on for like, 
two years at a time. I reckon I had shellac on for for years and years. And so basically what I'd do is instead of letting my nail breathe for a few months, I would then go back and get get it done again. Well, I'd started to get like a little tip of not bad fungus. Like if you Google toe fungus, it didn't look like that. That, That's like, you know, on the end of the Mm -hmm. spectrum. But this was a very mild little bit at the top of the nail. So it wasn't major. So I just kept getting it covered and covered and covered. And then obviously uh, uh, lockdown started. We couldn't go to the nail salon anymore. So I had to leave it. And I was like, this, I I don't like this. Mm. So I went to the doctor and they didn't do, I don't a hundred percent know if it was fungus because they technically, they, you can get like a, they can scrape some of the nail out and get it tested. But, but the doctor said she thought it was fungus. And so there were kind of three options, I think. The first option is to keep covering it, which is obviously not ideal, but you could just use normal nail polish to cover it. The second option was to take an antifungal course of antifungal tablets, and that would be 12 weeks. But she had said that that can actually um, affect your liver. So I think that's really like, that's like the last thing. If you were in a really bad place. (laughs) And if you were like, if it was spreading and those sorts of things, you would go to your doctor and I guess discuss about whether or not that's like a suitable option because I think that you've got kind of got to weigh up the pros and cons of that. Mm -hmm. And the third option was to try like one of the -the over-the-counter antifungal creams or nail polishes from the pharmacy, except that she said it can take six to 12 months to work. Yes, that was my issue. But I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time Exactly. (laughs) So... This is what I did. After a lot of research, I basically what you want to do is you want to make sure that the fungus has nowhere to grow. So what I did was I cut my toenail so far, like I cut it like as far down as I oh. could go. Oh, I hate that feeling. Oh, you know when they cut your nails too short? Yeah. I did like cut into the skin, but oh. like I cut as lo- as as much as I could and I kind of scraped off and I don't know whether this is the right thing to do, but this is what I did. I kind of scraped the top of the nail so it was thinner, so yeah. there was like less. No, the thing that it, I think it tells you to do that on the instructions. You're meant to file down the top of the nail and then put the treatment on. Yeah, so that there's like less. So, ba- And then basically I went to Chemist Warehouse. Oh, another shout out for the amazing <laughs> Chemist Warehouse. <laughs> They do not sponsor this show, by the way. <laughs> They're definitely a competitor. But <laughs> so I asked the pharmacist what was the best, and obviously she chose the most expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fifty dollars. Whoa! And it's called Reju- it's called Rejuvenal Antifungal Nail Solution. It's actually thirty eight dollars on their website right now. Yeah, because I don't remember spending fifty bucks when I bought it a few years well. ago. I spent $50, so if, if you want to snap up a deal, I'd go to chemistwarehouse.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's called Rejuvenale. It's a like a nail polish, but it's not nail polish. It's mm. like just a solution. And you put it on the nail and around the nail. And I did that like every night, and then I kept cutting my nail down. Mm-hmm. And basically, in the last few months, there's like no – the nail has started to grow out, and it's pretty – much gone oh good for you I don't think the fungus has like had anywhere to like spread yeah have you also not really been wearing shoes as well because you've been at home yep not wearing socks not wearing shoes letting them breathe during the day Mm -hmm. and that seems to have worked I mean look I think that when we get out of lockdown I'll probably just go back to like a normal manicure and then give my feet like maybe a couple weeks break and then get a normal yeah but Mm. then I love shellac on my toes because it lasts for so long I know remember the episode we did with Sarah and I said that I used to use tea tree oil 
And she was like, oh, that's not really that recommended. Like it can work, but like podiatrists don't recommend it. That actually worked for me. Oh, really? <laughs> that got rid of my fungus, but I'm not going to recommend that to anyone because Sarah was like, oh, maybe maybe don't do that. So this is really interesting. I think, <laughs> you know how like trends come out of things like lockdown? Yeah. Like there's like human human trends. Yeah, like TikTok. <laughs> people, I feel like have people discovered they have toe fungus as a result of lockdown because if joe and i have both mm. experienced this other other people must have experienced this yeah and so so let us know i think i reckon there's so many people that have discovered there's like funky stuff happening yeah. please me. don't send us dms though of your toe fungus um, no. without warning <laughs> joe that's you love that come on I, don't, don't. I do but like i know that when i open a DM that's to both of us that you're going to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can take it, Hannah, not so much. <laughs> so if you do have, if you've noticed that you've got fungus under your nail, if it's not, if it's spreading and it's the whole nail and you've noticed that the nail the nail might be coming off, please go to your doctor. <laughs> yeah, and also listen to that episode that we did with Sarah because that was one of my favourites. Sarah's a, yeah. a podiatrist. It's a really good episode if you're interested in foot health. Yeah. Or you have a foot fetish. <laughs> so today's guest that we have on is going to talk about a topic that I learned a bit more about recently in one of Advanced Skin Technology's training modules. Brooke is a clinical educator at Advanced Skin Technology. Thanks for coming on, Brooke. Oh, thank you so much for having me. There's so much research that goes into vitamin C and it's constantly changing. And I think that's something that I learned from you, Brooke, in this training module that you were leading was that there is a lot of research behind it and it is quite a complex ingredient compared to the other ingredients that we talk quite openly about. So could you start by telling us what actually is vitamin C? Yeah, absolutely. And you're completely right. I think it's one of those vitamins that it's not quite as straightforward because there's so many different types. So it's not just about getting vitamin C and adding it into your routine. It's actually about finding the right one that's right for your skin type, your skin concern. And that's where I think some of the confusion can come into it. So basically, you know, in a bit of a nutshell, vitamin C is just an amazing antioxidant that has really an endless list of benefits for the skin. However, what's really important to understand first off is that it actually comes in two different forms. So we've got water-soluble vitamin Cs as well as oil-soluble vitamin Cs. So basically, the most common water-soluble one that people might have heard of is L-ascorbic acid. So if anyone has ever used the cosmetics Pure C crystals, we know that's the, the ingredient that they use. And one of the things we love about water-soluble vitamin Cs is that they're really easily absorbed into the skin. So they've got you know huge rejuvenating potential, but we do tend to recommend those types of vitamin Cs to that more thicker, resilient, pigmented types of skins because they can sometimes be a little bit irritating on the skin if you know you're a bit more prone to that sort of sensitivity and things. Then on the flip side of that, you've got the oil-soluble vitamin Cs. So these penetrate a little bit uh, more slowly into the skin and therefore it kind of makes them a lot better for your more sensitive, rosacea, thinner, aging types of skins. But they're still really always incredible because normally they're formulated with things like peptides and other ingredients that you know really help with skin health and you know just general well-being. So 
An example of one of those would be your Aspect Extreme C. So you can see that there's a couple of different types and it really just comes down to the type of skin that you have as to the type of vitamin C that we recommend. Mm-hmm. I know with vitamin C, I think someone at our office once said to me when I first started, I had no idea what the hell it was. I think they said it was like an investment in your face in the future because unlike things like glycolic acid, it's not gonna, you're not going to see like the, the results the next day. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a bit like skin insurance. <laughs> yeah, totally. So what are some of the benefits of vitamin C and like what kinds of concerns does it treat? Sure. So when I think about vitamin C, I always think about it as the BLT vitamin. So I always think brightening, lightening and tightening. That's how I kind of in a Ooh, nutshell. I yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I, how I remember it. Or the other thing I do is I remember my four C's, which is C for collagen, C for calming, C for capillaries and C for your complexion. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I, I try and remember what they're for. So to give you a little bit of an idea, you've obviously there's a lot of research to support the rejuvenation benefits of vitamin C. So amazing if you're an aging skin or even someone who is looking at preventing the aging process. So we know early intervention is becoming you know, really popular. So we really encourage um, young people to get on a vitamin C to really help to prevent that aging process from happening. It can also be uh, a really nice calming ingredient on the skin. So assuming that you pick the right one, if you've got those skins that get a little bit red or do get a little bit sensitive, it can actually have some really beautiful calming benefits into the skin as well. You've also got it for, you know, that redness and capillaries like to help with strengthening capillary walls. So if your skin flushes really easily or you do get that reddened type of skin and also for for pigment and that discoloration on in your complexion. So that's kind of where that brightening and lightening comes into it, because it really, as you said, Hannah, it won't probably happen overnight. But over time, you know, you will start to notice a change in in your complexion and that real sort of brightness and radiance to the skin, which um, I feel like a lot of us could could certainly do. With. Yep, definitely. When we had Tegan Mack on like a number of episodes ago, I kind of remember what number episode that was. She suggested that maybe vitamin C isn't the best ingredient for acne prone skin. Are there any skin types or concerns that should avoid vitamin C and, and why should they avoid it? Yeah, sure. So a couple of things on that one that she's right. Vitamin C, it's not necessarily that it's bad for acne. I just feel like there's a, a lot of other ingredients that we could probably prioritize. So things like niacinamide, vitamin A, salicylic acid, those sorts of ingredients as opposed to vitamin C. Having said that though, what we often find is that the issue that acne skins have around vitamin C is that they've actually picked, again, the wrong type. So there is one particular form of vitamin C that is actually really great for acne. It's called sodium ascorbyl phosphate. You might've seen it listed as Stay C50. So we use it in the Aspect Jungle Brew Serum. And this has actually been shown to have um, you know, really great benefits of minimizing breakouts without using harsh ingredients. So again, it really just depends on the type But typically we say, you know, an acne skin isn't great to be on a true vitamin C serum. We would just encourage them to be on something that has that, maybe that sodium ascorbyl phosphate ingredient incorporated into it as opposed to choosing a pure you know, vitamin C serum. And what about for like a sensitive skin type? Do you have, so you mentioned jungle brew for an acne prone skin type. Do you have any recommendations for like a sensitive skin type? Yeah, definitely. So um, your Aspect Extreme C will probably be the best one for that. It's actually almost kind of what it was formulated for. It does use this oil soluble vitamin C that I mentioned earlier that is really nice and slowly penetrating into the skin. So it just works beautifully to help to strengthen and really still offer all those rejuvenating benefits 
but really look at adding strength and just general skin health. And we find that that tends to be very, very well tolerated, even by people who have, you know, impaired barriers and have maybe used vitamin C's before and, um, and have had reactions. So that would uh, definitely be my hot tip for that one. Yeah. Well, speaking of reactions, I've actually had a few DMs recently from people saying that they've not responded the best to a vitamin C. And as you mentioned, perhaps they might be using the wrong one for their skin, but if they just cannot tolerate vitamin C, they've tried a few. Are there any other ingredients that you would recommend having in their routine to kind of tick off those BLT criteria, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> I mean, I really, you could probably even look at introducing vitamin C potentially like in a in a complex. So uh, rather than it being the star of the show, using it as an added ingredient in a product. So something like the Aspect Pigment Punch Plus. So, you know, that is a, a pigment product or a pigment inhibitor that we recommend, but it actually has um, some vitamin C in it, some of that oil-soluble vitamin C. So that might be a nice way to introduce it into your retail still get these benefits of brightening and lightening with obviously those pigment ingredients that are in there. And then, you know, once your skin has built up tolerance to that vitamin C, then they could maybe look at introducing something like extreme C into their routine. But honestly, what we find nine times out of 10, if we actually looked at those products that, you know, these people are reacting to, a lot of the time it is um, that culprit of L-ascorbic acid. And it does tend to be, yeah, because it is, it, it is kind of an acid. So it can be quite irritating if it hasn't been prescribed properly. So yeah, on that, just either starting off with something that's just got vitamin C added into it, or again, you know, going on to something a bit more gentle, like your aspect extreme C, we find they tend to tolerate it quite well. Or even something with like hyaluronic acid in it as well. So we often say, you know, if people are trying to get used to an ingredient, um, that they can even maybe mix it with something. So mixing your vitamin C in with a more gentle ingredient like hyaluronic acid, and it kind of dilutes it or kind of buffers it into the skin for the first few weeks. And then that way, you know, as your skin builds up tolerance, you can slowly then start to, you know, separate them as you put them on the skin. And that can sometimes be a great way of building up your tolerance to it as well. Yeah, well, that's a good idea because we do kind of the similar thing with retinol, right? We kind of like buffer it with creams and stuff. Exactly right. Yeah. So same thing with um, with vitamin C if need be. Something that I've like always like I'm still a little bit confused about is the word antioxidants. And I know vitamin C is an antioxidant, but I know there's other antioxidants, but I'm not like 100% sure what they actually are and what they actually do. So can you tell us a bit more about antioxidants and the role that they play in protecting the skin? What happens is with with an antioxidant, we have these things in our body called free radicals. So how I want you to picture a free radical, this is how I do. So I think of them like the ball in a pinball machine. So, you know, when you flick the and the ball like goes around everywhere and it ricochets off all the sides, that's what I think of a free radical doing. And everything that it hits in our skin, it causes damage to. Okay. So it's like this little menace in the skin that's, that's buzzing around and what it's actually doing. It's actually a very unstable molecule. So it's actually going around looking to complete itself basically and causing a lot of damage in the meantime. And these free radicals get formed by everything, sun exposure, pollution, us just sitting here, breathing and talking, um, lifestyle, diet, basically everything. So we're constantly exposed to them. So what the role of antioxidants are is that they're designed to come in and basically neutralize these free radicals. So they basically say, calm down, stop causing so much chaos in the body or in the skin, like we've had enough basically. So that's why we require antioxidants in such high concentrations in our skincare, because our skin is our 
protectant. You know, it, it's that sort of first line of defense against a lot of things like pollution and UV. So we're constantly day in, day out exposed to, to these free radicals. So our skin does require a constant dose of antioxidants to continue to neutralize these free radicals because unfortunately in the skin, you know, we look at free radical damage, meaning pigmentation, sensitivity, collagen, elastin breakdown, you know, you name it, it basically does it. They're like these naughty little gremlins in the skin. So um, we really want to, <laughs> yeah, we really want to do everything we can to constantly control these naughty children. And by giving our skin antioxidants topically, we are basically giving the skin the best chance at being able to survive these free radicals. So it's probably on the flip side as well, why the World Health Organization and whatnot recommends that we eat so many good fruits and vegetables because we have the same thing that happens in our bodies. So, and unfortunately our skin just gets the last part of what we take internally. So we can't always rely on that. So by adding antioxidants into your skin routine, we know that your skin's getting first dibs on, on all that goodness and being able to fight those free radicals that are specifically, you know, causing chaos in the skin. Mm -hmm. What are some of the most popular antioxidants that people would find in their skincare products? Oh, wow. There's so many. So things like um, your vitamin C is a great antioxidant. Vitamin B, resveratrol is a really popular one. Oh gosh, the list is, is endless. <laughs> a lot of them have antioxidant properties for different types of concerns in the skin as well. So that will mm -hmm. be, you know, when you pick an antioxidant serum, a lot of them will have lots of different types of antioxidants to help with, you know, the redness or the pigment that's associated with damage or the aging component. So an idea for that is to really look for an ingredient or for a product that has maybe, you know, more than one ingredient, more than one antioxidant in it, sorry, um, that, you mm -hmm. know, is really tailored to the concern that you have, because then that way, you know, that it'll be really targeting the concerns that those free radicals are causing in your skin. And I've always understood that vitamin C is quite a sensitive ingredient and it is hard to stabilize in a formula. And I think people often wonder why cosmeceutical skincare is so expensive. And mm, yeah. I think one of the reasons is because it's very hard to formulate. Can you talk to us a bit about what the biggest pitfalls are with vitamin C? Yeah, definitely. So you are right. So stability is a bit of an issue that tends to be more with your water soluble vitamin Cs, but it really comes down to how the product is formulated. So um, quite often they'll put, you know, more advanced delivery systems and things in and, you know, like you said, with a cosmeceutical, we know that we are paying a little bit more, but we actually are paying for that technology that does help to stabilize those ingredients. Whereas, you know, mm -hmm. obviously with a cheaper product, they might not have that technology. So we know that the, the product would be a bit unstable or could oxidize really easily. So that's certainly a downfall with vitamin C. The other thing is, is probably the percentage is quite important. So with your water soluble ones, we need them to be in quite high percentages for them to be active and for them to, to be quite stable in the skin. The oil soluble ones can be a little bit less with their percentage, but it does mean that if you do buy a, a vitamin C serum that, you know, claims to be vitamin C, but only has a small amount in it, then the effects may be a little bit negligible. So that can be yeah, also a little bit of a downfall when you're, when you're choosing your vitamin C. Is there a specific way that you should be storing your vitamin C? Uh, not really. If the product has been formulated properly, it shouldn't be a problem. You should be able to keep it okay. with all your other other products. A lot of the time with the water-soluble ones, they actually will be in a, in a formula that has no water in it already. So it actually doesn't become active until it hits your skin or until it mixes with in with another product that has water in it. 
So that's usually how they do it. But sometimes a skincare company may recommend that you keep the product away from sunlight and whatnot. But most of the time when you're dealing with cosmeceuticals, they will have that covered within their formula and keeping it nice and stable with their delivery systems rather than you having to, you know, keep it in a dark place or in the fridge or anything like that. Yeah. And you mentioned um, also the percentages as well. If the product doesn't actually disclose what the percentage is, how do you know that you're using a really good quality vitamin C? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Probably, you know, I'd say that if you were to go and have a look at a product and you were looking at the ingredients list and you see the vitamin C listed a really long way down the ingredients list, that tends to be a, a bit of a red flag. Also as well, I guess, if you are looking at a, at a product that, you know, maybe one from a cosmeceutical range and you go, okay, this is maybe over $100 and then you've got another one that's only $25 and you're looking again at that ingredients list and you notice that there aren't, um, there's a lot of ingredients in there that maybe you can't pronounce or you feel like you need a chemistry degree to be able to read the list. That tends to be a little bit of a red flag as well. So I always encourage clients to to look at the ingredients list and try and look within the first sort of, you know, maybe 10 ingredients or so and look for something that is key. Even if there's a couple of types of vitamin C's in there, make sure they're in those sort of top few ingredients because then you know they're in a higher concentration. But if they're hanging below, you know, sort of towards the end of the list, unfortunately, you know, products can still claim to be a vitamin C serum or a vitamin C product regardless of how much is in it. So that tends to be a clever way of being able to get around not having the actual percentages disclosed, but being able to see potentially how much might have been actually added into the product. Do you have a favorite vitamin C that you use? Ooh, it's like asking me who my favorite <laughs> child is. My goodness. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, I do. Um, it. I would have to say the Society Triple C is a staple in my bathroom. I have a love affair with vitamin C, but I also have a really big love affair with peptides. And this this Triple mm. C has so many peptides coupled in with three different forms of vitamin C in it. So I really, really love that one. I've got that one to try. And now that you've said that, I'm like, I'm going to use that tomorrow. <laughs> oh. Oh, yes. It's like, it's, it's my ultimate recommendation for an anti-aging vitamin C. And I actually really love the texture of it. And I find being in ISO at the moment, being in winter and the heating, you know, you find that your skin can get quite dry. I really love the texture of it. It's, um, it's just got a really nice finish to it. So if you've got a bottle of it, definitely try it. But there's also another one from PCA called the C&E Advanced that I love. This is actually using an L-ascorbic acid, but it's in a cream base and it also uses vitamin E in with it. And then it has some um, pigment inhibiting ingredients in it. So as someone who suffers from pigment, I'm all about anything that you can give me that's targeting pigment. I'm all about it. So I tend to go between those two and, um, you know, depending on whether I want a, a cream or more of a serum, but the two of them tend to be my fan favorites. There is so many benefits to vitamin C. And like I said, it's all just about picking the right one for your skin and not just having a, you know, a bad experience experience and then putting it in the corner. Um, there's so many to choose from. It's just a matter of just picking the the one that's right for your skin. Yeah, well, we've actually got a vitamin C category within our 
pharmaceutical category on site. So that should make it a little bit easier for you guys to shop vitamin C. Absolutely. And your descriptions are so good as well. So it it does make it really easy to, to have a look at those. So yeah, hopefully that will, will help everyone um, get motivated to looking into vitamin C and adding it into their routine. I'm sure after this chat, everyone will be keen to add a vitamin C into their routine. <laughs> we, everyone needs the BLT, the brightening, lightning and timing. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't forget about that. I'm hot. You're making me hungry. I know. Do you know, I think the same thing every time I think about that. I'm like, don't think about the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. PWD KWN, Hannah, what is your product today? So basically I have, in the last few weeks, I have decided to put makeup on during the day. I just have been feeling really shitty. So I've basically been getting up, putting like a foundation on, some bronzer and a bit of blush. And I have discovered this new blush. It's Well, it's new, so I didn't (laughs) discover it. It was given to you as a sample? (laughs) It was given to me as a sample. Um, But it is the best blush that I've ever used. I think two other staff have also said the same thing. So now I'm like, why didn't I get one? It is the best. So it's the Napoleon Purtis Cheek Switch Cream Blush Stick. And I'm using the color Pink Lady. It's like that very, very pink pink color, which Mm -hmm. I love. It's a cream blush, but it then transforms into like a long wearing matte velvet powder. That makes sense. Yes. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Do you know what that means? Yep. (laughs) Makes total sense to me. Yes. (laughs) Great. Awesome. Do you apply it straight to your cheeks or do you put it on a little brush? I apply it to my cheek, Mm -hmm. straight to my cheek, and then I blend it out with like a stippling brush. Yep. Is that right? Am I doing the right thing there? Yeah. I'm shocked. (laughs) (laughs) To just use proper terminology. Actually, like, completely changes the look. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I know. How much does blush just transform things? So many people are scared of blush. And I'm like, no. You've got to get on it. I would highly recommend the Pink Lady. It is such a Mm -hmm. nice colour. It's like a very How many shades are there? There's three shades. There's Go On Rose, Save the Coral, which would be, like, obviously a more orangey pink. And then there's Mm -hmm. the Pink Lady, which is the very vibrant pink. And you only need a little bit. It's pretty pretty pigmented. So Mm -hmm. that's mine. What is yours? You have a special surprise for us. Yes. So mine I've chosen because I was actually influenced by – a ambassador that we spoke to. So we recently chatted to Ali Simpson, who is Garbo and Kelly's new ambassador. So I hadn't tried much of the Garbo and Kelly range. I've got one of their eyeshadow palettes, which I don't even know if they have it anymore, but I got the clear brow gel and usually I use like a tinted brow gel, but I was using a um, brow serum on my brows. So I feel like they're feeling pretty thick and pretty full at the moment. So I got the clear brow gel and that is a game changer. She was talking. What serum are you using, by the way? Uh, I'm using Lash Food on my eyebrows. Nice. So nice. There's, they've actually got brow food, but I'm using the Lash Food because I already had it and I was like, I don't want to waste it. So I'm using it in my eyebrows and that seems to be actually, they're very soft at the moment. Mm, very nice. But anyway, I'm using this clear brow gel. So another kind of like isolation friendly product, but we were chatting to Ali about specifically about their brow products and she's obsessed with them as well. But then we got onto the topic and we're going to share this audio with you because it's actually quite funny. So she did a YouTube challenge, which I've seen a little bit on TikTok as well, which is doing uh, your boyfriend doing your makeup. And she also mentions her brother Cody in there and him <laughs> doing Miley's makeup as well. So we're going to cut this audio in here for you guys to listen. 
my entire makeup bag right now is a brand called Garbo and Kelly. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Like they have really awesome stuff. I mean, that eyebrow stuff is really great. Like for me, that's obviously a staple. Like they're like brows on point or like this brow perfection pencil. Like I always take that stuff everywhere with me because like if I'm mm-hmm. not doing a full face, like I still like to have defined brows or like yes, a, like a nice lip color, like with their lip kits and that kind of stuff. So yeah. we all need a brow on. We can't, we can't go browless. <laughs> if either of us had boyfriends, Joe and I, we definitely wrote them into doing our makeup for YouTube. Were you surprised at your boyfriend's level of makeup? Oh knowledge? my gosh, it's so funny because, I mean, we've been together for almost a year now and I, I've always had this idea. I'm like, I really want like you to do my makeup because like obviously guys just have absolutely no idea. I think he's seen it enough times to kind of know like a little bit about what's going on. Was he able to do a cut crease and all, and advanced eyeshadows? Oh, the <laughs> eyeshadow was bad. He, yeah. I think he nailed the smoky eye. I thought he was quite good. <laughs> That's when it went all wrong. Like the skin was good, like yeah. glowy and everything. But as soon as the the eyes sort of come, started coming in, that was when I became a bit of a raccoon. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but I was very impressed. I was. I was surprised. We initially decided to do it because I don't know if you saw Miley do Cody's makeup. Oh my god, no, I have not seen this. He put something up on his story like a couple of weeks ago, and when they did it, like Miley and Cody FaceTimed us, and we'd seen um, the Cody had this full face of makeup and like a full red lip, and I was like, because <laughs> they were just bored and they were doing it, and I was like, so I'm so doing Mitchell. So that's why we decided to film ourselves doing it because, like, we, we saw that. I love it. that. I've I've actually got it up now. In that in that time, I've pulled it up, and wow, those eyes are popping. And if you guys want to see us try this challenge, Megan from our team actually had her makeup done by her boyfriend Joey. And Hannah, we both pissed ourselves at this content. Honestly, I'm sorry, Joe. I know you're on the YouTube channel a lot, but it's my favorite YouTube yeah. video. Like it, it's no, it's my honestly favorite. mine yeah. as well. So yeah. funny. It's, it's hilarious. We were pissing How ourselves. How funny at is it. Joey when he goes, "Hey guys, follow me at Joey underscore MUA." Yeah. I was dead, <laughs> like dead. I was like, "You." He's like, "He's a star." And then we, and if then, you haven't seen it, you've got to go to. Our and YouTube then channel. remember, I was making a meme. So basically, we. Like, like our team like has meme breaks where we just create memes and I was I wanted to create a meme f- to promote that video and I was like he really remind you know that the scene in a star is born mm-hmm. when yeah. like when she's she's like no Jack Jackson or Jack no Jackson I can't remember anyway <laughs> she's like no no and then all of a sudden she like storms onto the stage and like sings and I yeah. was like yeah 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 and I was like, <laughs> That is Joey. He's like, no, no, no. Okay, fine. I'm the star of the show. (laughs) So go and check it out. And also Ali's video is on her channel as well. But yeah, that was my product I didn't know I needed in a very long-winded fashion. So see you next week. Bye. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.